Welcome to the Feminine Mistake Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nicole. On today's Lady Bits, we dig a little bit more into the polo scene in Pretty Woman, including the exchange between Julia Roberts' character Vivian and Jason Alexander's character. So put on your fancy lady hat and let's get into it. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Damn it. Um, so shall Smooth. we move on to this polo match? Yeah. I feel like oh that's a pretty big, big part of the movie. Up until this point, Edward has presented her generally to the public as his lady friend without explaining the origin from which she came. Well, yeah. I, I feel like, though, explaining the origin of a person that's next to you is a movie trope. I never walk into a new place with like a friend of mine from high school and I'm like, this is so-and-so. I've known her since I was 13 years old. We went oh, to high school together at this sure. school and like introduced someone. You know, I like just, I just walk I just, into a place and I'm like, this is Jeff. I just want to point <laughs> out that he treats her the way he treats her. He treats her as though she's on his so- social level in front of other people. Oh, until yes. Until they're a alone. Point mm-hmm. and, until they're alone or as to a certain point in this scene. So the polo thing starts out fun, right? Yeah. Well, Where he tells her like not to fidget yeah he does that a lot which i again found very to be one of those abusive things where you can just never be good enough for somebody i never noticed her fidgeting either when he would say that no Mm -hmm. not at all um and the polo ladies were real rude yeah they were really snooty they were talking about how she's the flavor of the month her mm-hmm. line was really great, though, of like, oh, I'm not trying to catch him. I'm just in it for the sex. Yeah. <laughs> and I was and like, I was yes, like, girl. Good for you. Um, I thought the part where they like, it was just like all around like r- r- icky, uh, like icky, upper class ickiness. Like I, mm-hmm. the my skin was creeped out for most of the scene. I didn't understand the we're going to go out and kick up the grass. Part. Oh, it is just like a tradition of the Kentucky Derby. Wait, is the it looked like a they, horse race. Yes. I thought this was a it croquet game. This was a game. polo match or whatever. Like it was, a, it was not croquet. It was polo. Oh, so these horses. were horses, and like so they were putting the clumps that the horses clumped the out with their fancy with their, shoes. Yeah, right. And they were putting them back into the holes. It, they're called divots, and it's just like the horses kick out a part of the grass, so like you flip them back over and stomp them back down, so that they can play again on a flat surface. It's so like nobody gets hurt, you know. It just seemed very stupid. I think it's just <laughs> it's a tradition in horse games. Okay. Horse I also games. feel like knowing what I know now that an, a real opportunity was missed for one of those people to step in a big pile of horse poop. I know. Oh, yeah. And they even mention the horse poop, but they don't have any of these step in it. I Wait, mean, horses they missed poop an during opportunity. polo? Don't they poop any time? Always. They're games. They're animals. <laughs> they're, they are games, games, Sarah. Hashtag Do horse they wear games. bags <laughs> like um, the ones going down the streets do they i don't know i think that they just poop wherever they go i would you think know, so bags. I, mean, bags. I would think so horse poop bags maybe I, now frankly, maybe the horse poop bags were not invented yet i frankly i would have really enjoyed seeing jason alexander just step in a big just, old yeah, pile of poop. by the way we haven't even talked about his char- char- character at we, all yet we, we've talked we talked a little a about him at the beginning He's but yeah gross. like let's let's uh let's take a moment let Let's take a moment to talk a little bit about George Costanza in this movie. Mm-hmm. I wrote him down as George Costanza the entire time I took notes. Yeah, I did not catch his Phillip? name until his, the I have no idea. I, I just thought of him as end. gross. His name is guy. Stucky? Stucky. Philip Stucky. Philip Stucky. Yeah. Stucky. Phil Stucky. Phil Stucky. Phil Stucky. 
Uh, he's a, a dick. Name. He's a dick. He's a dick. Uh, he's a money grubbing lawyer type. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're having a nice time at at the polo, uh, and then she starts talking to the son of the David guy, Morse Jr., who takes him over. Takes her over. Uh, he's probably hitting on her, but she's not really. She's just talking to him. Like there's yeah, nothing. Right. It's very innocent. And so this whole time he's been treating her like a. a, a upper class lady in front of others but then when this happens in an mm-hmm. effort to punish her i assume for her speaking to another man yeah yeah how dare she uh he tells stucky that she is a sex worker yeah well but i don't think Does that's necessarily to punish Does her use the word hooker. he uses the word hooker right but i don't i don't think it's to punish her for talking to someone i think it's because stucky is so obsessed with the fact that she's talking to the man that she's trying to buy the company from like and i do think that that's a major thing in this is that like philip is being an asshole and he tries to get him off his back and like granted he should have done some other thing to get him off his back but i don't think it's to get back at her i think it's to just be like this is the reality of the situation i think that's the surface reason but yeah. i think the reason yeah. he, he really does it and is he tells jealousy. her in that scene he's like i to make her feel i saw worse. you talking to that well i think when guy, he tells her later like yes. it. he's like i didn't he i like feel it. like he owns up to it though is, is what i think sarah's saying is that i think we're supposed to write it off as like Oh, he's just telling him because because what happens is his Phil, Philip Stucky, whatever his name is, yeah. thinks there's some kind of conspiracy at foot, mm-hmm. and so then he's basically like, actually, she's a hooker, and I picked her up. But it's an odd thing to admit to somebody in the middle of the day and around all the like. It, yeah, it, it, I feel like there are a million other ways he could have diffused that situation. Yeah. I think the reason he tells stucky that i mean he's been working with this guy for 10 years he's got to know what kind of guy he is he does yeah and i i do think he did it to punish her i think he did it to humiliate her because his possession was doing something that he didn't like that's just how i, I think it was bo- both of the, those yeah. reasons at the same time i don't know that he had like intentionally thought like i want to punish her but he definitely <clears throat> did have that jealousy moment there and i mm-hmm. think his motivations, even if he didn't know that those were his motivations, were to punish her. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. And honestly, I mean, the very next thing that happens is that she's just kind of standing there and Stucky oh. goes up to her and is like, hey, after he, he's done with you, I would like to pay for you. I'd like you yeah. to, I'd but like to do you. Yeah. he like touches gross. her shoulder in like this really so like creepy way. Fully gross. And how like and she looks so uncomfortable. Smile just yeah. disappears. Mm-hmm. Like and she's having like, a really oh. delightful day and he makes her feel like garbage. Yeah. He makes her feel like garbage, but it's, but it's ultimately it's Edward's fault. fault. Yeah. It's Edward's yeah. fault. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think that there is that, um, often with, sex workers you think like well you you i i don't think this but i know some some people think like well they have sex for money like they must be okay with having sex with anyone and having any kind of advances put upon them and it's like no like like they're human beings and she even like tells him late late later when they fight and i'm not skipping ahead i'm just saying like she's like uh, like when i am in control when i am in charge when i make the shots i feel fine but when someone tries to take adva- advantage of me, that's when I, I don't feel, feel safe. Yeah, he assumes that she's like this thing without feelings. And this causes a big fight later when they get back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Where she tells, she, al- she almost leaves. She packs up her stuff. She almost leaves. And he tells her, uh, she tells him that 
you know, you made me, I've never felt as bad about myself as I did today. And you did that to Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And she doesn't take the money. Which made me angry. He like leaves the money. I'm like, honestly, the way I wish this movie ended was like right here. I wish she realized what a fucking creep this guy was, took the money and left and left fucking town. Like there's nothing romantic to me about her not taking the money and whatever higher ground that's supposed to mean. And then her going out to the elevator and him being like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Well, and he doesn't even Fuck really apologize you. either. He does. He like is like, I'm sorry, but you were talking to that guy. Yeah. And like, and I blames didn't like it, it on her. I didn't I like it. Like, God damn it, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is like, again, I feel like this is the toxic masculinity part of it where mm-hmm. like not like this isn't he's not being presented as the bad guy in this movie he's being presented as the leading man like mm-hmm. he's the yeah. romantic love interest we're supposed to think it's romantic for this woman like it's supposed to be a good thing that she's being plucked out of her situation by this oh, rich dude. guy and she's teaching him to love and he's bringing stability and he's oh, swooping in and saving her I feel like that's the narrative we're supposed to believe is going on and yeah. By all accounts to me in every moment in this film, he always seems like a possessive, like abusive, controlling person. Yeah. And yet that is like, can you imagine like all the little Hillary's out there in the world who saw this movie and thought that this was like, this is what love is like. Well, I didn't think this was what love was like. I was just like, I want a man to pay for all my shit. Right. But, but yes. subconsciously, I think we've all been lied to over and over oh, and yeah. over again through the narrative of film. Like the people that are telling the story tell us what uh, what love is supposed to yeah, be mm-hmm. like. And we take that in, whether consciously or subconsciously. And then we believe that that's why people stay in abusive, controlling relationships, because that's supposed to be love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very beginning, there was the line that he, both the woman, like his ex-girlfriend and the woman who had just gotten married said, like, about how um, he, they knew their sec- his secretary better than they knew him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, that woman who had just gotten married was like, yeah, she was one of my bridesmaids. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's just like, oh, that's funny. But it's like, dude. It's fucking sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's super sad for those ladies. <laughs> Super sad for like everyone involved. So I don't think he's upset about it. No, but no. it is. I mean, sad. I, I cannot. Uh, I can't see. Un, I can't register an expression on Richard Gere's face uh, no. at all. It's really, like he just got Botox. No expression. Yeah, he's got his got permanent Botox face. Um, <laughs> so she does not face. leave. She goes back, and right back and in the bed. They bone. They bone. And she kisses him on the mouth. Julia Roberts is a gorgeous woman. Yes. And I don't remember. I don't know if you guys, if this was part of your growing up. But when I was growing up, I was, uh, you know, a preteen and a teen in the 90s. And Julia Roberts, her persona was the unconventionally beautiful woman. Yeah. Which who was like never geeky, always kind of geeky, me. lanky. She's got curly hair and that makes yeah. her weird. And she was kind of like unconventionally beautiful. Mm-hmm. Her mouth, she's her smiles too big. Like all this I'm really kind of fucked yeah. up stuff. Where, I mean, she is a gorgeous woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, in terms of her body type definitely fits into the mold of like what Hollywood wants yeah. women's body yeah. types to yeah. be. 
but uh, especially because of her curly hair as well. That's crazy. Unconventional beauty so because she doesn't have straight hair. I feel 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 bad because like when I I, I remember this and, I'm, and my parents of course told me about it too. But I I do remember being eight and like seeing her films and stuff and and being like, why is she? in movies like she's not good looking and my parents were like julia roberts is fucking gorgeous and i was like if she's gorgeous then i must be like a supermodel so this when i was eight some good self-esteem right there (laughs) Uh, i had the reverse where you know um i was when i wanted i always wanted to be an actor from the time i was like a small child and you know i would get the like well you don't really like even as a young child people tell Mm -hmm. me well you know you don't you don't have a conventional movie star look but you know, if Julia Roberts can be a movie star, people said what? that to you. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, first Julia of all, Julia Roberts, Roberts is gorgeous. And second of all, you you're gorgeous. Secondly, so. I don't look anything like Julia Roberts. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> Nicole. You're uh, pretty much exactly like Julia never Roberts. Be like I do. I you know. Anyway, we don't have to get in. We don't have to get into this. But um, yeah. No, people would say that to I me. Didn't like know that. Yeah, Julia. Ro- if Julia Roberts mm-hmm. can be considered a Hollywood star, maybe you could too. And they would even say that in regards because you know, listeners, if you don't know me, I have uh, curly hair. Uh, I have red curly hair. Yeah. And I would get my hair would get compared to her hair a lot. You know, if if Julia, you know, Julia Roberts is making curly hair something that's beautiful. So, you know, you should feel glad that you have curly hair like Julia Roberts because people do like that in her. You know, I would get things like that. I I remember being a kid and being like and and hearing that curly hair was worse than straight hair and being like, I Mm -hmm. don't understand Mm -hmm. why. Like, I don't. I, I spent an hour every that. morning in high school straightening, straightening my, my hair. hair every morning. Yep. See, every I was a single crimper. day. Oh, myself. fucking oh, I crimper. I crimped it. I crimped it. I used to have to straighten my hair and then crimp oh, it man. because my hair was so big back then. Oh, yeah. like, I, I have all, very straight always hair. wanted waves. My Both of my parents have very wa- 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 wavy hair and I always wanted to have curly wa- wavy hair. My hair was stick straight when I was a kid. And I was now ashamed straight hair. of my curly hair. I was too. I wanted pin straight hair. All of the beauty queen girls... Mm-hmm. In that I grew up with I, straight hair. I honestly, I credit Harry Potter with giving me confidence about my hair, and it was because of Yay, Hermione. Yes, and like, Hermione. I remember reading that, and then like my eighth grade year, it was just like I'm just gonna brush my hair and go to school, and like that's what I did for like several months was just like Although, brush my hair and go to school. Um, if you have curly hair, yeah, it's like to brush your hair. Oh, I know, I was a frizzy haired fucking it. monster, but like nobody fucking told me I wasn't right. supposed to brush my hair. Nobody in my family had curly hair. I was the first one. I, and they were I, just like, just brush it. I was too. I was the first person in my house. Uh, my family to have curly hair as well and i was um, like okay i mean probably not on my dad's side but certainly no but i had one of those my big side. flat brushes that you give to people with oh, straight gosh. hair oh and yeah I no like, i brushed my hair out my hair. every day and i looked like mm-hmm. i had a goddamn hamster on my head oh yeah it was like a, a whole nest really, of hamsters i looked like you'd run my head through a dryer without a dryer oh, yes. sheet you no. know just like staticky like straight out it was bad it wasn't until i had i had i was i was almost 30 and i was in grad school and i had some friends who had curly hair and they were like we need to have an intervention please stop what you're doing uh don't brush your hair anymore don't brush it Wait, how old were you i was 28 i didn't know how to do, do curly hair they were like we're gonna make you an appointment at the salon we're a real salon not super cuts um put this product in your hair, stop brushing your hair. And that's, I, I thought, yeah. I just thought my whole life I had bad hair. 
I, I, I now diffuse slash air dry my hair and it has like, it's kind of falling out right now, but it has like a wave now. Oh no, it's gorgeous. Um, I love my hair now. I don't, I frankly have time to straighten my hair mm-hmm. anyway, but now I just, I get my hair cut by somebody who knows what to do with curly hair and I put the product in it and I, you know, love that part of me and I wish I had discovered that sooner. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's Lady Bits. This month's special guest, Natalie Flynn, is not only an accomplished writer and director in her own right, but also an embroidery artist. So check out some of her beautiful work. She has an Etsy store. It's called Stitch NB Embroidery. So that's Stitch, capital N, capital B, Embroidery. Or you can look, you can search for her uh, on Etsy as Natalie Flynn. That's F-L-Y-N-N. Or you can check out some of her beautiful work on Instagram at N-C-H Flynn. Again, that's F-L-Y-N-N. And you can also watch her very funny and very educational show, A Light from the Past. It's a web series. It's available on YouTube. A Light from the Past is a little bit of stoner comedy, a little bit of historical information featuring stories about the most famous people in history and uh, some facts that you may not know about their lives. And the show also features a wonderful performance by former special guest Jasmine Waters playing George Washington. Look out for a brand new episode all about Cleopatra coming soon. So that's A Light from the Past, now available on YouTube. The Critical Crop Top Live sketch show is coming up fast, so be sure that you are following us on all of the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Critical Crop Top. If you're in the Atlanta area, you don't want to miss this show. It's going to be super fun. It's called Afterlife. We've got brand new sketches. We've got new guest musicians and spoken word poets. You can see the brand new live comedy show, Critical Crop Top Presents Afterlife. October 21st and 22nd at Robert Mello Studio. And you can see us on October 27th at the Highland Inn Ballroom. That's going to be our benefit show. We will be raising money for a charity in Atlanta that is doing some really important work. They're called GAIN, and they provide pro bono legal services for immigrants in the state of Georgia. So come out, watch some comedy, donate to GAIN, feel good about yourself. Um, For tickets and more information, you can visit criticalcroptop.com. The ticket link isn't live yet, but it will be soon. And of course, you'll be able to buy those tickets online at criticalcroptop.com slash tickets, or you can buy them at the door. But can you put a price on laughter? Well, we did, and it's $10, and it's super cheap. So come and see the show. Thanks again for joining us uh, for today's podcast. This is going to be our last episode about Pretty Woman. And uh, next week, we're going to have a brand new film. We're going to be talking about Poltergeist, which is one of my most favorite films. So come back and listen to us next week. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, The Feminine Mistake Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Feminine Mistake Pod. Tell us your thoughts about the polo scene from Pretty Woman. And of course, you can tweet at us. We're at Critical Crop Top on Twitter. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram at Critical Crop Top. Be sure to send us your nervous breakdowns, that's your bad casting breakdowns that we read on the show, to femininemistakepodcast at gmail.com. Hey, Linda. Hey, Louise. What's wrong? Well, I love podcasts, but I need a new one. 
Do you know if there are any where two sweetie sisters talk about movies from the 80s and 90s that shape their childhood existence, and also that have a cat that makes a ruckus in the background? Do I? Let me tell you a podcast I started listening to you called Large Marge Senus. Two sisters break down classic 80s and 90s movies like The Princess Bride, Never Ending Story, and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. They even did a whole month dedicated to Fred Savage flicks. Wow, I love Fred Savage. Where can I get this magical podcast? You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or Google Play. You can also follow them on Twitter, at The Sweetie Club. And don't forget to tell them, Large Marge sent you to this podcast. <laughs>